Welcome to the Sogro Marketing Council podcast. The Sogro Marketing Council is a membership organization comprised of growing marketers who want to stay ahead of developments in multiple areas of marketing. This podcast features recordings of Sogro Marketing Council meetings. Tune in to hear expert marketers share tips and discuss the latest strategies and tools in marketing. To join the next meeting and be part of the discussion yourself, visit SoGrowPR.com. That's S-O-W-G-R-O-W-P-R.com and click on the Marketing Council tab. Let's get growing. Well, welcome everyone. I'm excited to have you guys today. This is the SoGrow Marketing Council meeting, and this is an organization for executive level marketers. And we get together and we share tips and things that are going on in our particular area of marketing. What I have found is that we all have a specialty in marketing, and it is so easy for us to get narrowly focused on that particular discipline in marketing. And we sometimes lose sight of what is going on in other areas of marketing. And we also don't have a lot of time to research every area of marketing. So what we like to do in these meetings is we like to get together with other marketers and we like to share tips and just be able to keep up to speed on multiple areas of marketing. So today we've had some people that are experts that have submitted tips. And so each expert will have four minutes to share a tip. And Sarah will be our timer, so you'll feel her timer, or she may wave at you if you're starting to get close. And then you can present a tip that is educational. And we ask that you just give something that's educational and informational, could even be a news item from your particular marketing discipline. But this is not a four-minute commercial of how great your company is. We're going to find that out as we get to know you, but this is really just something that will benefit all of the members and that we will be able to um, learn from you today. So, so excited to have you guys here today. I always leave this meeting learning so many wonderful things. So we will get started. Kristen, did you want to start us off today with a tip? I will be happy to. I've got a fun little image I'm going to share. All right. Can everybody see that? Yes. Okay. So this, what I'm going to talk about is simple is the new branding. Every business has complexities, whether it's an engineering firm or a CPA firm. Entrepreneurs, we get really deep into our business and it's really hard to see it from an outside perspective. So what happens is that entrepreneurs tend to create a brand that's too complex and hard for customers to understand. Um, And I'm just gonna talk about the visual aspect of it. So to be successful, entrepreneurs need to transition from using overly complicated messaging peppered with jargon to messages that are meaningful. Customer can also be very complex, but they crave a simple solution to their problem. And if the brand speaks to them in simple words, they understand the brand will close business quicker and create customer loyalty. And so here are the reasons why. You can see the picture, the A to B. It's very simple to get from A to B. If you look at the top, one simple straight line. If you look at the bottom line, the A to B, I don't even know if I can figure out how to follow that line to get to B and I would get lost and I would have to go through it many times. And it's a really good illustration of how customers feel when they're dealing with a complicated brand. And most customers give up and leave and don't continue on moving with that complicated brand. They go to the brand that's more simple. A lot of times we're doing business with other businesses that aren't even as good as at us, but they're selling more. And it's because their brand and their marketing is simple. Um, so first of all, a simple brand is more believable. 
um, people, when messaging get com gets complex, people just think it's less believable. So simple messages become more memorable and they create a combined um, level of trust and memory and it just creates better customer loyalty. And um, Harvard Business Review says a simple brand is worth the effort. Um, they said the greatest brands make life simple. Think Google, Amazon, or even Dunkin' Donuts. They cut through the clutter by delivering what customers want, want when they want it and without the hassle. If you know last year, well, it's really been going on for a few years, but Dunkin' Donuts changed their brand to just Dunkin'. And if you think about the transition from the Dunkin' brand back in the day when the guy said, I got to get up to make the donuts, their donuts sold less and less, but their coffee and other products sold more and more, more and they simplified their brand down to just one word, Dunkin'. And it's been a hit. I mean, I hear Dunkin' as much as I hear Starbucks, if not more. Um, a simple brand is worth more than your product. Um, this is the third reason. The same product offered under two different brands can have wildly different results. This is in the industry publication adage, but listen to this, J.K. Rowling, you know, the author that became a billionaire by writing the Harry Potter books, translated into 55 different languages in 200 countries and sold more than 450 million cop copies. So what happens when J.K. Rowling wrote a novel, The Cuckoo's Calling, and it got published under a different name, Robert Galbraith? Nothing. In spite of favorable reviews, The Cuckoo's Calling sold less than a thousand copies. The word got out that the book was actually written by J.K. Rowling and it almost immediately jumped to the top of the bestseller list in just a few months. The book had sold 1.1 million copies. Same product, different brand. It makes a big difference. So I think I'm probably near my end, Sarah. Um, but I just wanted to share that, share the image. And, uh, you know, so our clients, I'm sure they're all very much into their their own company and caught in the weeds. And so even from a visual, visual perspective, whenever we can help them simplify their visual communication, it will help them sell their product. I'm Kristen with ID8. That is so great. Thank you, Kristen. And I forgot to mention, but when you do a tip, do mention your company name and um, and, and your name and your area of expertise. And even if you don't present a tip today, we welcome you to just introduce yourself and just share your name and your company. Um, but yeah, I totally agree with you. And I feel like also on the marketing side, I feel like what we've been doing as well is just simplifying marketing because I feel like it's so complicated and there's so many channels that just to hit those few bullet points and instead of doing a lot of things, just doing just a couple things well, it makes a big difference. So what do you guys think? How are you all um, seeing this happen? Do you guys agree? Do you guys have any questions for Kristen? You know, I, I agree. I mean, one of the things that we help uh, sales teams do, we call the three C's. You've got to be clear, concise, and compelling. And if you're able to do that, to what Krista mentioned, you can get the clarity. But it's really hard. And, and Kristen, how do you work with brands to get them to simple? A lot of times interviewing the customer. That is the best way to cut through it all because they say, this is what we, what our client wants and this is what it looks like. And then we talk to the customers and the customers say something very different and they use their own language and their own explanation. So talking to the customers is where we get all that awesome information to help them make better decisions. There's a great book too. Um, no, it's not there. I'll find the book. It's another book recommendation on concrete, like how you create um, visual images that are concrete so people can remember them. It's a great, great read. That's great. 
Awesome. Yeah, if you find it, you can put it in the um, chat too. We'd love to. I will. I thought it was in my cabinet, but it's not. That's very awesome. Well, thank you, Kristen. I appreciate that. And I love that visual. That's very, very helpful. It's a wonderful. Scott, would you like to present a tip to us today? Absolutely. Yep. Let me just pull up my screen. Okay. Good morning, everyone. My name is Scott Siegel. Uh, my company is Beacon Sales Advisors. My ex, uh, area of expertise is sales. One of the things that we focus on are fundamentals. In order to scale any organization, you need to focus on the fundamentals. So what I want to share with everyone today are a couple of tips about the importance of weekly sales meetings and one-to-ones and how they are also very different. So the first thing I want to do Oh, I thought I lost everyone, sorry. We're getting lightning here. Is focus on what you don't do from a, a weekly sales meeting. The first thing you should never do during a, uh, a weekly sales meeting is focus on individual issues. You always wanna make sure you're focusing on those individual issues during your one-to-ones. What you do wanna do to have an effective, impactful weekly sales meeting is send an agenda in advance typically two days in advance. And what you want to be able to put in that agenda is who is going to talk about what, when, and give them a time frame. You need to set expectations in a very nice way, but you need to come prepared for that meeting. You need to be able to build the right weekly cadence. If you have a meeting every Friday at nine o'clock, book that meeting a year in advance. That will demonstrate to your team that it's important to you and it's important to them. And I know this one might sound simple, but start and end on time. The other thing a really well-run uh, weekly sales meeting will do, I call them learnable moments. How do you share best practices? Salespeople sometimes don't wanna share, but when they learn something, when they learn that someone else is doing something, the whole team benefits. And because this is a marketing group, it's also a great way to invite cross-functional teammates. In sales, salespeople want to think they, they are responsible for everything, but that's not always the case. Invite marketing in to go through a new marketing program. If you've had a big win and the marketing or brand manager helped you, invite them in. And that ties to the last one is all about celebrating wins. So I'm going to move to weekly one-to-ones. The don't, don't make it about compliance. It really is a coaching session for that person to come in and share with you what they're working on, and you're able to coach that. Similar to the weekly sales meeting, you want to build the right cadence. Book it a year in advance, the same day, the same time, every week. And this is probably the most important thing. Remember, it's about them. It's not about you. It's a great opportunity for you to sit back and listen and ask questions. Don't try to solve their problems by effectively asking the right questions. They're gonna solve their own problems, which ties into the next one, which is all about new opportunities for learning. You wanna create possibilities for them. So not only can they succeed in their current role, but also what they wanna do for five or 10 years. And this is one that a lot of people don't do. I do believe feedback is a gift. Ask them for feedback on how you're doing. 
Are you providing the right level of guidance? What can you do better? What'll happen is you're gonna build a better relationship with that person moving forward. So that is my tip for the week, the importance of weekly sales meetings. One, the ones, the don'ts and the do's. My name is Scott Siegel and my company is Speaking Sales Advisors. That's great, Scott. Who has a question or a comment for Scott? That's really good information. So I have a question for you. I have for I do all my one and ones and I ask my team to submit their agenda to me 24 hours in advance so I can be prepared. I didn't see that on the one on one. Is that OK? Because it shouldn't be about compliance or no. I never it, it's it's a it's really a style issue. What I would always say to someone, this meeting is about you. You come prepared to what you want to talk about. So that way. Um, it really is about them. I mean, what you're doing, Kristen, I wouldn't say don't do it, but I always, what I always try to make sure people do is be prepared. Mm -hmm. So by coming and then telling me what they want to cover, to me, that's the art of possibility. That conversation can go anywhere. Mm -hmm. That's great. And I love what you were talking about in terms of having marketing involved because mm -hmm. I, as a marketer, love to sit in on sales meetings because that's usually where you find out what's actually happening because as marketers we can have this idea and we can put it out in market and this goes back to what you were talking about Kristen about talking to customers Salespeople can also be that source of information for what actually needs to go out in the market because you're going to have salespeople say what they're going to say in the meetings <laughs> and sometimes what they're saying works because they're selling things and they know so we can often take that language and incorporate that into marketing and those are just gems to be able to, you know, hear what they're actually saying because they're, they're selling stuff and it's working usually. So. Yeah. And it really is about everyone working together. I mean, that's really the, the, the fundamental piece. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's great. Well, um, yes, Kristen is our uh, graphic design featured expert and Scott is our sales featured expert. And then we have Joe and um, Joe's going to just introduce himself today. So Joe, did you want to just tell us a little bit about you and your company? He is our crisis communication expert. Yes, thanks, Stephanie. I'm Joe Gorley with City Miller Communications. And like Stephanie said, we are the crisis chair. And you'll always hear us say, I'll give you one quick tip. Um, you always hear us say this on almost every meeting is to be prepared. But if you spend all your time working on, you know, one efficient process, you're not going to be ready when something goes awry. We're seeing that a lot with the Delta variant and, and things going on now. So if if you're doing an event or you're doing some, something going on, you want to make sure you have extra talking points to be ready for it. And so I'll leave you guys with that. Absolutely. And I would say call Joe and Cindy now because when something happens, it is much, much, much harder to deal with things in the situation. But if you call them before something happens, they can help you prepare. That way, when it does happen, you're all ready. Um, so, all right. And then, um, Virginia, would you like to share a tip with us today? Could I ask Joe a quick question? Sure. Joe, is it legal to ask your employees if they've been vaccinated or not? Um, I'm not a lawyer. Um, I'm just curious. We, we tend to, you know, just, you, you don't really, we don't really do that or wouldn't really recommend it. Just kind of, if somebody wants to offer it up, then that's good for them. But, you know, we try to stay away from it. Right. I would say it does seem a lot of the 
a lot of large companies are taking the get vaccinated. And it's interesting, um, even if you know, you're not gonna be in the office immediately, they're requiring it company-wide. Um, and I think the fact, it kind of makes it a little more palatable because some, as more companies do it, you know what I mean? Like at first you're sort of like, oh, my privacy, uh, but then everyone's doing it. So we're all getting on board. Um, yeah, and we've, and the other side of that, we've seen companies, smaller companies up to a hundred employees that just require masks and, and that's their way of, you know, kind of going around it. Yep. There are lots of opportunities for <laughs> things to go wrong <laughs> very quickly. It's a very touchy time. Yeah. So wonderful. Well, thank you so much. Um, all right, Virginia, would you like to introduce yourself and um, share a tip today? And then I know we've got Robin next and then um, Sarah and, and, all right, Virginia. Yes, so I'm Virginia Navajiga, and I'm the CEO of Transformative Power, and I specialize on uh, meaning-based marketing and strategy and communication. So my tip for today, it's about like, so I put this kind of whiteboard for you guys to see around, like most people, when they have a meaning-based communication, they start with their, like, this is your why. So whether you are a person with a personal brand or you are an organization, then everybody is like, this is my why, and this is my why, and blah, blah, blah. And then they create a whole branding, a story, case study, everything around their why. But most of the time, they don't ask the why of their customer or the other different people that are involved. So, what, so there's more than one customer. There are partners, there are customers. There's so many people. So they start with your why and they tell the whole story about their why without considering the why of the customer and the language that the customer wants. So my uh, recommendation is that you need to understand your why, but then you need to move your customer why first. And then, then the other mistake I see is that people put the why of the customer and then they take away the whole company out. So then the person doesn't have anything to know and understand why this company or person is the right person for their why. So, uh, so in here, basically, I noticed that like the ideal way of market, marketing with meaning is that you know your why, you have your why story, but you also know really clearly your why of a customer. You articulate their why, but you also build a bridge between their why and your why. So it's building a why relationship and building a connection. And when you do that, then it's amazing. So that's my tip. Yes, and amen, Virginia. <laughs> I love that because it's so easy to get focused on what we want and we have to stop and think about the customer. And that is like, there are books about how do you find your why, right? So, oh my gosh, that's so good, Virginia. That's amazing. Any other thoughts or questions for Virginia? I love that. Virginia, can you give us an example of when you worked with a customer and, and sort of gave them that perspective and it changed, you know, their success? Yes. Yeah, so, um, so I have a client who was, uh, had a startup and she was creating a mountain, um, she was building this huge mountain. It was like a real estate project, a multi-million dollar uh, real estate, right? So she could focus all day long about building the re this real estate project and like the investment value of it and all that, right? 
but there were different customers. There was a real estate investor, and then there was a normal person that was going to go to the place. So if she was telling a story to an everyday person that was going to go to this mountain, then she needed to talk to the why of the customer. So the why of the customer, they wanted to be healthy, they want a community, they want to hang out with each other. So the whole storytelling around it had to be around that. In the case of the investor, the why was, how am I going to make money? How is this going to be sustainable to the environment? So then the story around this investor conversation, it was a more of a financial story and a sustainable story around the environment. So, so then she basically had different like trailers and B-rolls around that story. That's cool. Yep. Yeah. I like that. Thank you. Any other thoughts or questions for Virginia? That's great. All right, Robin, would you like to introduce yourself and share a tip today? Yes. Hi, everybody. I am Robin with Globally Ventures. Um, I plan corporate meetings and incentive trips worldwide. And today I'm just kind of giving an overview on trends and incentive travel given the pandemic and how so many things have changed right now. So let me start my timer because I, I tend to put a lot in. <laughs> okay. So first of all, I'm going to talk about travel metrics right now what incentive winners want, hotel contract trends, airline trends, and the outlook going forward. So this is a really neat graph right here. This is based on the TSA checkpoint travel numbers. You can see 2019 compared to 2020 and then 2021. Um, you'll see that 20 and 19 were kind of neck and neck up until you got to March. And this is high travel season, March through August. And then um, 2021 just started kind of catching up, which is good news for our industry. Um, the summer was really hot with travel up through August. So it'll be interesting to see what happens going forward. Um, the Incentive Research Foundation did a study of 401 full-time sales professionals that are age 18 and over who are eligible for sales incentive trips in the past three years. And there were some really interesting findings. One is that if you look over here, group incentive travel is still um, a big motivation at 80%. And then individual incentive travel is high as well at 84%. So people still want to travel as an incentive. Um, where it gets interesting is, is that their interest has shifted. Uh, the participants are looking for more of a stay in private um, parts of larger resorts, um, luxury hotels, mountain remote areas. They still want to be with their spouse or significant other, but there's a, a moving away from things like cruise ships and mingling with large groups of people, and that's directly related to the pandemic. Um, if you look at what they want as far as locations, Hawaii is very high in the list, which has kind of come around because that was kind of, you know, 10, 15 years ago, it was the highest as well. Caribbean is still number two. Uh, beach, sunshine, adventure travel, mountains, that's what people are looking for. Cruise lines, wellness spas, and large metropolitan areas are at the bottom of the list right now. Um, attendees still want to bring a guest, they still want an appealing destination, and they want their expenses covered. So they are looking for all-inclusives, which coincidentally you don't find in Hawaii, but cash incentives so that they have cash allowances on site are very big right now as well. 
Um, hotel contract trends, uh, we are looking at pandemic clauses now because they are no longer considered force majeure because you already know that you're booking in a pandemic. Uh, rebook clauses, uh, as far as if they decide to cancel, being able to save that money and rebook it for a future uh, contract with the same hotel. COVID testing and hotel quarantines, safety emergency protocols. Uh, we're looking at limited services at hotels as well right now and staffing issues. But even with all of these trends, um, it's still a seller's market out there for hotels and they're booking well into 2023. And it's really important to book early because prices are starting to get high because people are ready to start traveling again. Uh, air considerations, we've got flight changes, limited lift into certain destinations, which directly correlates with those flight changes, inflated prices to more desirable destinations, safety protocols like wearing a mask on board, so long trips, you have to keep that in mind that people have a mask on board for 10 hours um, and phone lines are hours to get through to the airlines right now. So those are some challenges we're facing and the reason to use, you know, a professional in helping you with those things. Um, as far as outlook, we've got before the vaccines kind of boosted travel, the Delta variant is starting to make people a little bit more cautionary again. 2024 is when they're saying that the group travel industry should rebound by, fingers crossed. Um, and that profitability and company culture are directly correlated with the companies that are choosing to do group travel at this time. And that's my tip. Right on time. Perfect. Thank you. That, was, that is fascinating to me because this is such an interesting industry in the middle of a pandemic. And so <laughs> for, you know, but people, like you said, people want to live life again and travel. And so that's so interesting. Any thoughts or questions for Robin? It's really fascinating information. I'll tell you, I'm ready. <laughs> oh yeah. Are there like certain companies that are jumping back into the travel incentives more quickly than other certain industries or? Um... Um, again, I feel like it's really correlated to the profitability and company culture. I just, um, worked on a meeting that had over 9,000 attendees in downtown Atlanta because their company culture is one that they they didn't feel like, you know, the, the pandemic was as big of a deal and that it's the safety concerns weren't there as much. Um, I'm also working right now on just a 40 person incentive trip for 2022, early 2022. And, um, you know, the, that small group incentive um, at an all inclusive is you know, it's, it's a draw for their salespeople. So um, it just, it really depends on the culture. I have, it'll be interesting to see if people are, will accept the trip or will decline it. Um, again, with a small group at a, you know, a nice hotel that I actually just stayed at a couple, like last month that I felt very comfortable at, but um, you know, it's just, there's no way of knowing at this point. Mm -hmm. Is there more where people want to go but not fly or any type of things like that where they want to be closer geographically or? I haven't run into that. I think people are itching to get out. Again, you know, Mexico is a, is, is, has been a very big seller right now because it's only a two and a half hour flight. It's easy in, easy out. You don't have to show proof of vaccine to get in. You do have to show, obviously, to get out. Mm -hmm. um, and 
we're sending a lot of people there right now. So um, I think that the, the pricing for domestic is still really high that you could actually go to the Caribbean for cheaper almost at this point, because there has been such a draw for domestic for people that do want to do road trips. But as far as groups, um, I personally have not gotten those domestic requests. Gotcha. Robin, you're seeing uh, with everything going on, more resorts or locations asking for uh, uh, confirmation that you have been vaccinated? That's no, no, there's mass mandates. And then, you know, there's the return to the U.S. Everyone has to get a test. So that adds a little bit of a layer of complexity because what happens if somebody tests positive? You have to make sure you're at a resort that will take care of them or that there's insurance to cover. And insurance is another issue right now because the insurance policies are excluding it because, again, you know what you're getting into. Um, so it's just really a lot of checks and balances and making sure that, um, that the communication that goes out covers everyone. Um, we have disclaimers, you know, that we that the attendee would have to check off on their registration. The hotels have their protocols in place. Um, certain hotels are requiring masks in public areas. Certain hotels are not. And it's just a matter of having that list of questions to ask. Yeah, the reason I asked, uh, I just got a notification. We're going to a concert at Chastain Park. Yeah. And it came through this morning that in order to get in, you need to show proof that you've been vaccinated. Otherwise, you can't go. Yep. And they're doing that for Music Midtown, too. Yeah, so that uh, that's why I was asking, because I'm like, well, that's new. Um, I know. So, it's interesting, you. too, in Georgia that that's happening, because <laughs> of all places, I, you kind of wouldn't expect it. But, you know, I, I personally think it's it's good. Unfortunately, you know, it's I don't know that internationally they can really require the the vaccination form because they're too easily duplicated. They're not, you know, we don't have a passport system in place that's regulated through the government, like a, you know, like a real passport or like a driver's license. So, you know, there's, there's tons of talk about it, but nothing's been done. Interesting. We'll definitely keep us up to date on what's happening in this industry. It's yeah. Now, a lot. <laughs> lots of destinations are different. So Mexico, you don't have to show anything to get into, but think places like the Bahamas, you do have to fill out specific forms and you have to get tested ahead of time. So that's the other layer of complexity is that there are, um, it's destination-based. That's interesting. Well, thank you, Robin. I appreciate thank you preparing a tip today. And Sarah, would you like to introduce yourself and share yes. a tip today? So my name is Sarah Stewart. I work with Stephanie at Sogro PR. Um, I'm our social media expert. And I wear just a lot of different hats, helping her with all the work that she needs, um, providing public relations to B2B businesses, um, and sometimes B2C, a little bit. But so I'm gonna share my screen and I've got a slideshow for everyone today. Get this out of the way. All right, how's that look? Can you guys see it? Good. Okay, so we've been getting more into Instagram stories with our customers. Um, so this has really been an interesting journey and in learning about how to use Instagram stories. Um, you know, the technical aspects, it's a little bit dicier to schedule them. 
because um, you really have to do it on your phone. So usually you schedule it on a dashboard and then it sends the items to your phone and you're putting it out on your phone and you can schedule it that way. So this is a little bit what businesses need to know. Instagram stories are getting huge. Um, 500 million Instagram accounts use Instagram stories every day. And that's gone up since it was only started in 2016. So very fast growth. Um, it's outpaced Snapchat um, by I think about 200 million users. So it's significantly outpaced that. Also Instagram has much more of the older millennial audiences and things like that. So it's not just, you know, the Gen Z and et cetera. Um, third of the most viewed stories are from businesses. So businesses are taking advantage of Instagram stories more and more. Um, most top popular types of stories, um, product promotions are really popular. Um, inside looks, that's always good with social media because you know people wanna feel like they're getting to know the company's culture, the company's personality. They wanna see faces and you know insider information. Um, influencers taking over, that's really popular with businesses tapping into influencers to you know, tap into that influencer audience and you know, expand their reach. Live events are really popular. Um, How-to videos, this is a really great you know, thing in terms of education. Typically also how-to videos are more popular with older groups um, and anything that has to do with hobbies or you know, whatever people may be interested in. Then fan content, contest, and others. Polls are also very popular and can be used easily on Instagram. So that's another way to up engagement. Um, I thought this was an interesting chart as well. It was the most active industries on Instagram stories. So fitness, fashion, retail, technology, airlines, automotive travel, food and, food and beverage. Um, you know, you'll see this change over time. I think it's just natural in terms of people that were already using it, you know, personally or industries that were already using, you know, this type of marketing and more people are getting on board um, over time and adopting it um, and seeing what they can do. What, what I found the biggest benefit for stories, so stories, um, you know, they're short, it's 24 hour, you know, period, they're short lived. Um, but what's incredible about it is that they show up at the top of your feed. Um, every time people, you know, log into Instagram, they're going to see those stories at the top. So the biggest benefit that we found with stories was improving followers, you know, and customers are always, clients are always asking, I want my followers up, you know, that's the big way that they can see that, you know, their social media account is doing better. And we saw, you know, 30%, 40% growth in followers after starting to get in to posting stories. Um, just because it gets that, you know, when people are seeing posts, they have to scroll through all their algorithm, you know, and they're seeing people they follow, but then they're also seeing ads that are, you know, it's about maybe three-fourths followers, a fourth ads, maybe even more. Um, so they don't always even see your post, but if you're posting stories regularly, you know, they're they're getting to those stories at the top. Then when they click on those stories once, it actually, with the Instagram algorithm, it bumps up your post where they see, oh, 
you know, this person is interested in this brand, we're going to show them more of the post. So it's, it's a whole like, you know, snowball effect that really helps your engagement. Um, when you're doing stories, definitely use the features Instagram offers because that bumps up with their algorithm and has better, you know, impact in terms of how often they, you know, like one thing about the stories is that they scroll across the top of Instagram, but they also scroll to side to side. So you may be the second or third or fourth story that people see. If you use more of the features, typically you're boosted up to the left side of the page um, or the screen. So like there's text, the stickers can allow you to put location, which can be super useful in terms of if people are searching for, I want events in Atlanta, I want food and restaurant in Atlanta, I want travel in Atlanta, whatever. Those type of, you use the stickers, but the stickers are almost, they've got, you know, a tech aspect, a link aspect where it's actually linking location, you know, destination, whatever, all that type of stuff. So um, one thing you, with people always want to put a link in their story because they want to lead you to a website. Now, so far they've had, you have to have 10,000 followers or more to put the link in the story. Um, however, with the stickers, you can often put some, you know, a link in there, or you can always do the link in the bio. Um, but those are some things. And then also you can add hashtags, which is super effective in stories because you'll show up in general searches. If people are, you know, I, I really need, you know, packaging for e-commerce, they can hashtag packaging, search Instagram, and hopefully your story or your profile will come up because of those searches. Um, so I just thought I would show you some examples after all of that. Um, NASA has been having a lot of productive stories, um, you know, some fun things. They've got, you know, polls here for engagement. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's quick. It's, you know, you can take a couple, you can do video or you can do a couple of images and the images go in a slideshow. You can add text. You've got the hashtags here, you know, so those are some, some of the options. Um, this was the New York library. They did, and this really just was great for engagement and elevating their brand, but they did these short, you know, excerpts from books and, you know, people could see it and it, you know, increase their visibility. And it was just really a creative, interesting way to use Instagram stories. Um, here's a more, you know, classic um, retail, you know, tap to see this collection, you know, sales. It's, a, you know, a great way it shows up at the top of the page and introduces products to customers. So that is my tip on Instagram stories. Nice little details for everyone. That is so good, Sarah. I love it. Instagram stories are huge. I've had people even tell me they don't listen to, or they don't look at anything on Instagram other than stories. <laughs> so oh, wow. Stories, they don't see anything. Um, so thoughts or questions for Sarah on Instagram stories? Yeah, Sarah, that was, that was really helpful. I, I was surprised that food and beverage was so low. I know. I mean, with, um, you know, you have a lot of brands trying to get the message out in any right. number, but to be 15, that... That seemed really low to me. Right, right. Yep. Yep. And I had a question for you guys. Um, raise your hand if you've ever used LinkedIn stories or if you know that that even exists. Has anybody ever posted a LinkedIn story? Okay, so Kristen. 
Okay. Why has that not taken off? I'm so curious because it's like people don't even know about it. And when you do them, there's just not much engagement. I think it's the LinkedIn community doesn't understand. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm curious that that's going to take off, Um, but check it out. You can see a circle around people's profiles and there's a story. It's the same thing. And I think it's that 24 hour thing where it disappears because you can't save it the same way you can like a Instagram story. You can save it to highlights and then you can, and other people can still see it. But with LinkedIn, it's basically gone. So you put in all this effort for 24 hours and then it's gone. Um, So yeah, check out LinkedIn stories and tell me what you guys think if anybody is (laughs) finding any value in that. I'm curious if it's going to take off or not. So I've been confused between the different platforms. I'm like, wait, am I in Facebook or I am in in uh, LinkedIn. And so I just pulled up Facebook. I'm like, I don't even know how to do a story from desk from my laptop, but you can do it easily on your uh, phone. I don't know. Maybe it's that you can, um, you can do it from your laptop. If you have a dashboard, um, you might be able to, I don't know if you can do it. I've never tried going directly into Instagram on my desktop, but I know if you've got Hootsuite or something like that, typically they have that feature. If you're on a Mac, you can switch it to mobile view. And I'm not sure if you're in a different program other than Safari, but if you do it to mobile view on your browser, it'll show up where you can post on Instagram. Um, but you're basically doing it at your computer thinks you're on an iPhone. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I hate that you cannot post on Instagram on just the normal web page. It's It would be so helpful, but they want everybody on mobile. Yep. Um, all right, I'm going to share just a really quick tip today. So my name is Stephanie Richards. My company is SoGrow Public Relations, and we do B2B public relations for companies. And what I wanted to talk about today is we've been doing some launches. And one thing that I have found that is really critical and that we're telling clients is that when you launch, you really need to have a group of supporters. You need to have a coalition of supporters on board before you launch. Otherwise, you're just launching in the void (laughs) and everybody wants to make a big splash when they launch and they want to put these beautiful posts out there and they want people to just be excited and share it. And then they put things out there and it falls flat or, you know, there's a little bit of engagement and there's not not that much happening with it. So one way to really help boost your launch, whether it's a business launch or if it's a product or service launch or rebranding or whatever it might be that you're launching is to really get a group of people around you that will support you, be a part of the process, and then help you share it when you do go live. Um, So one way that you guys can do that is to get people involved early and really contact the people that are people that love you and support you already. So this could include employees, but it also could include partnering companies. It could include family, it could include friends, but even getting 20 to 30 people that are on board, they know what's happening and they're involved in the process before you even launch. And then they're ready to help you launch when you are making everything live. And so one thing to start with is is even just feedback, asking for people say, hey, we're about to launch this. Would you attend this presentation and tell us what you think of it? Or what do you think about these brand colors or whatever it might be? and involve them and get their opinions and they they feel ownership at that point. Um, You can also just in terms of giving them progress updates and maybe you have a goal and get them involved in a goal. Like I just launched a jewelry business and so one of our goals is to donate the proceeds that we make at the beginning to fund a scholarship. And so 
I've told people about that and I've let them know and I've cast the vision for them. So that way when we're launching, it's not just about launching a product, but it's about a bigger goal and a bigger mission that they can help with. So just getting people excited about more than just the launch, but having something else, um, being able to get them excited and get them on board with it. Um, another thing we're doing for a client of mine, they, they do coaching. And so when I suggested that they get this coalition of supporters, I said, let's feature your supporters. Let's take leadership tips from your supporters. And during our launch each day, we're going to feature another leader and feature their tips. So not only are they aware of the launch, they're excited about the launch, but it also benefits them because they get exposure and we're saying, you're an expert, you're a leader, let us promote you as that. So they're going to share the launch to their people as well. So now you have 30 people that are excited about this and sharing it to their networks, which is really what you want. So that is my tip for you all today is do not launch anything without getting a core group of supporters help them understand along the way and get them involved early. And that way when you launch, um, you can, can really have a group of supporters. So thank you all so much for attending today. We're gonna um, go ahead and wrap up and let you guys get about your day. But uh, I will say, please invite your marketing colleagues. The more people that we have involved in this, the more tips we get and the more connections that we make. And so not only do we get to learn from each other in and learn the different areas of marketing that we may not be able to keep up with on our own, but we can also share business. So if somebody needs graphic design, they might need sales help or they might need some travel incentive support or social media or crisis communication, whatever it might be. So this is your pool of marketing contacts for all sorts of resources and help. Thank you for listening to the Sogro Marketing Council podcast. Want to be part of our next meeting? Visit SoGrowPR.com, that's S-O-W-G-R-O-W-P-R.com, and click on the Marketing Council tab to sign up for our next event. Until next time, keep growing.